Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes, Kevin Foote. On the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. The game hotline, 706-0111, 706-0111, simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. And um, from what I hear, I missed quite a show this morning. It, 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 I, I'm, you know, people are texting me, and I've seen some stuff on Twitter that um, have a, has a monster been created. I mean, I think so. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm gonna play the clip. I'll play the clip that got me really riled up, and let's see how you react to it. Okay. Well, yeah, the message a little bit this week was was, man, let's have fun playing this game. Um, but I told the team in there today that the the message now is is, man, there's got to be a sense of urgency. It's got to be a sense of urgency in everything that we do. We've got to get some things corrected, and there has to be a sense of urgency about doing that. And 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 what we've done to this point has not been good enough. And so if we keep doing the same things and expect it to be different, that's the definition of insanity. So um, we've got to change the way we prepare. We've got to change that we get the way we get ready to play a game. That's coaches, players, that's all of us. Um, you know, because it, it, it hasn't been – you know, up to the standard that we've had here. What? Huh? It's. <laughs> Sense of urgency now. It's why, but... <laughs> yeah, it's why I, I, I try not to. I mean, I, I just don't understand how he can be that weak-minded. I, I, like, again, th- th- this guy's an institutional football guy. He play, He coached under Sean Payton for the better part of 15 or 16 years. Like, how can he be that weak-minded? Like the, the sense that he said, I, I just let's I have a sense of urgency now. Yeah, sir, you were three and seven. Yeah, it's, that's a Captain Obvious moment yeah, for you. Yeah, it's just awful. You and can't. then and then they had some. So Caden Ellis, who I think believe he just started this week, said we're so blessed to have him. The energy, the mind he has, he believes in the group and knows what we need to do. Well, how I I, I saw that tweet. I you know I. If a player says something good about his coach or vice versa, you always have to take it somewhat with a grain of salt. Now, again, he obviously is a good defensive coach. Now, not everybody is a head coach. We've learned that over the years. We've learned that. Um, all I know is he better start Jameis on Sunday. I know he's, he's mealy-mouthing about that too, but he better start Jameis on Sunday. I feel like I, I think probably have to visit with him a little bit in terms of that, or visit with the medical staff in terms of that. But um, and I think Jameis said this the other day. I don't know that he's ever going to be a hundred percent healthy this season, um, but he's in here every day. He's in here every morning, um, working with the trainers, getting himself ready. And and I feel like uh, he's closer to to being there. Okay, but my problem with that is how come three weeks ago he said Jameis was healthy and it wasn't an injury situation? I, I don't know. That doesn't make sense. See, He's incompetent. See, this whole thing for with Jameis hasn't made sense for a while. Now, again, if Jameis was still injured, then that makes sense. 
But why would Dennis Allen say three weeks ago that he wasn't playing and it was a coaching decision and it wasn't because he was injured if he's still three weeks later having to check with the trainer to make sure that he's okay and because he, he thinks he's hurt? I mean, again, something in there just doesn't make sense. Yeah, something is not computing in his head. No. I, he's, he's not – He's not putting pieces together in his head of knowing, one, I mean, his his medical staff has to be incompetent. I mean, they're now deciding to put Michael Thomas to have his surgery. Why didn't you do that weeks ago? He's uh, been on the end of reserve for five ever. Yeah, it, 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 it again, uh, one thing that I want to remind myself and all of us of, and we tend to forget it. And if you know, I've told the story on on the air before. The reason, well, the start of me doing what we're doing right now, was um, way back in 1993, was um, me writing a column that says that all coaches are liars. So we have to understand that most of what is what a coach says, or is not true. Now it might have a certain percentage of truth in it. But we all have it in our mind that what coaches tell us is true. Most of it is a lie or, a, or at best, a half-truth. And they don't do it because they're evil people. Some of them are. But they lie because they feel like they have to to protect their own team secrets or to protect, you know, the, a player's, um, you know, issues or non-issues or whatever. I mean, they, they, they have, most of them have legitimate reasons for lying, but they lie. And so we have to remind ourselves that. But the difference between having a coach lying to you, which they all they all do, and not having the, the competency to know that your team is not good. You're supposed to have a really good team. You're supposed to have a really good offense, a really good defense, with really deep. But you're having a rookie explain his injury that he has. You have veterans who are, you know, Tyron Matthew, nowhere to be found. Doesn't know how to play the game anymore. Taysom Hill was doing really good one football game a couple weeks ago and now is nowhere to be found again because they don't want to go on the ball. Alma Kamara was doing really well. They want to give him the ball. The man might as well take his trial now and be suspended now instead of waiting until next season because the team is lost. Yeah. Um, the thing that makes zero sense, Taysom a lot of times is a matchup situation, but I think they've misused him. I mean, of course, I think he's been misused from the from the very beginning, not this season, but even before. But here's the problem: the the real thing. There's so there, there are certain things that are head scratching, and there are certain things that aren't. The thing that's so head scratching is how come so many guys they tell us they're going to be out a week or two. And then they don't play for five or six weeks, but they're not on IR. I mean, that's again, that's the thing that it just—it's really hard for this. Some, it's just not all adding up. No, Something that doesn't adding up. They're yeah. not—they—they they can't get their their story straight. The injury, even tell part, the lie correctly. Right, the injury thing has not made sense. But again, that's not a this year thing. We've no. been questioning. We've been questioning the medical staff going back. 10, 12 years. This has been an issue, and it's different people. They, they, you know, they've got new people, but the whole medical side, and I and I think maybe some of that is that we're just close to the Saints. This probably happens in a lot of teams because, look, the, the, the doctors are making decisions that the teams want them to make. They're not making decisions that the 
that the players want to make very often. This isn't a the player, we're going to err on the side of the players' league. This is an error. This is a we're going to err on the side of the team's league most of the time. Right, but if you do that, if you actually listen to what the doctor says, there is a 100% chance that you're going to actually get players back in time. You're going to have a real timetable on players to come back. Not having yeah, six I, and seven weeks of – you know, Jarvis just, not being here. And Michael sense. Thomas now deciding they're going to have surgery for him. You should have done this in training camp. The man's been injured for, what, three seasons now? Uh, it's – it's no, the whole injury thing, again, it's been perplexing for, for for the last three years. It's just a complete disaster show, this injury situation with the Saints. I mean, it's just – and it never ends. And it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Kevin, I know the Saints are injured as much as any team that has ever been. But I went to the Monday night game against the Ravens, spent $500 for fourth row tickets, brought my son to his first game. And my issue was not injuries. It was you can look at the sideline of the Saints and you can tell when they're going to have a decent game, when they're going to have a good game, when they're just going to think up the place. And there was zero energy on that side on the entire time. I don't care what play it was, what happened in the game. Dennis Allen just stood there like a ball on a log. And that's why this team flat out sucks. And I've loved the Saints since I was a kid. I just. Yeah, I. You know, even as a defensive coordinator, and he was a coordinator of some really good units. He, he he was never a screamer. I mean, he was always calm and collected. And, you know, he has more of that Tom Landry approach where you just sit there and, and, and you wonder if they're even watching the game. Even as a defensive coordinator, he was like that. So I don't know that his M.O. is any different now than then. But, you know, again, what, what he says to the media and the public and what he says – inside the locker room to his players is hopefully different, but if it's the same, then 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 you're right. I don't know how you have any energy. Well, remember, was it three games ago whenever uh, Andy threw the three interceptions before halftime and they interview him, and he literally says, oh, we're, we're just going to tell him keep doing what he's doing. So what, you want six interceptions in one game? <laughs> yeah. Like, the dumbest answer possible. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I get it. I, I, I don't know. I mean, he... he I like Go ahead. I like to compare. I like to compare him and Brian Kelly. They're both, you know, they're they're both in that beginning phase with us as fans, really getting to know him, you know, 100 percent as a head coach. And Brian Kelly will sit there, get a question, listen to it, give you his honest answer. Sometimes, like I even think in my head, like, man, I kind of wish he wouldn't have told them that. You know, he's telling, you know, Nick Saban that. Our left starting left tackles out before the game's you know a week away. I kind of rather him keep that a little closer to the chest. Yeah, but it is what it is. And then you got this guy coming out, Dennis Allen. Like you said, he he don't know what's going on, so it's like he's lying to us. But I think he's lying to us because he doesn't actually really know. That's even worse. Well, if he doesn't know, it is worse. But again, the, you know, I don't know how much the head coach, especially him. Is is you know in with the with the medical evaluations, but it's just it, it, not, not, nothing about this season is adding up, and something's it's just it's just not making any sense. But at this point, all I know is he better start Jameis on Sunday. He better. We'll see. He better. He 
better call a different game plan. Yes. Because them plate balls are terrible. I agree. I appreciate the call, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Look, they've got some receiver. This rookie receiver from Weber State is kind of exciting. I mean, he's made some plays. They've got to utilize him. Wes Chandler has made a lot of plays. They've got to utilize him. Uh, but they've got to get an NFL running back. I mean, they still don't have an NFL running back. Uh, uh, you know, I, they need an NFL running back on their roster, and I've been pitching a fit about that for almost two years now, a year and a half, and it never gets better. They never add an NFL running back to their roster. And it was so obvious Sunday that they just don't have one. They just don't. I mean – the Steelers had no running game. Look how hard their backs were running. The Saints don't have any backs that run hard. None. They don't ever have a back that runs hard. Uh, our little uh, 41, Z28, ran hard in the second half of the game in Arnaville. That's the only time I've seen him run hard all season. Pitiful. The energy is gone. Like, there, there is no energy. There is no grit. There is no nothing in this team anymore. Well... I don't they, know where it is. They need to, they need to find it. They, yeah, they, they they certainly do. And um, it helps when you have a back that's running hard. But you got to have an NFL running back capable of running hard and wanting to run hard on your roster for that to happen. All right. Um, I was trying to calm down, and then Hannah gets me all fired up. <laughs> I was trying to overcome the grief, and, and Hannah gets me all fired up. Well, because coming, I'm coming you. Yeah. So you don't have to. Now I'm going to be the one. That's a dangerous situation there. It could be volatile. <laughs> All right. We'll take a time out. Again, we will be talking some high school football with North for me and um, head coach Brett Blakey at about 935 in the next segment. We'll talk more Saints. Also, God, uh, I didn't. I got to admit, I'll tell you up front, I did not see the Monday night game last night with Raymond's little team uh, beating the Little Eagles. But – I did hear some of the fallout, and the things that I say just make it so difficult to hear. And, again, for those of you who think that my opinion about the NFL and how they do things is because I have sour grapes about the Saints, you're just, you just couldn't be more wrong. You could not be more wrong. And we'll discuss that more again next on The Game. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. The little MVPs. The little MVPs. Now, a Major League Baseball team that struggles to win games despite having multiple MVP winners on its roster. Also known as the Los Angeles Angels. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote. And footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to. Footnotes, Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home. For the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros, want to remind you the McNeese Coaches Show. Presented by Maplewood Burgers. Line of bed. Out of Westlake in the Southwest Louisiana Law Center. 
you can hear tomorrow night from 6 o'clock, the McNeese Coaching Show located, again, in Maplewood Burgers, 4453 Nelson Road on a two-game winning streak, trying to close out the season in really good fashion and build some confidence and get some good playing time for guys that are going to be there next year. They'll be discussing all those issues. And, again, you can hear the McNeese Coaches Show tomorrow at 6 o'clock. On the game, 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right. Um, again, the game hotline, if you would like to get in, is 706-0111, um, I did As I said, I did not see the Monday night game. I have heard some of the reaction, seen some of the highlights, and, you know, I heard one of those idiot commentators today. Um, it, it, it's really one of the dumbest things that anyone in the sports arena has ever, that they ever say. And they say it all the time. And it's it just, it sh- it, it, it's a clear illustration of why we have the issue that we have. Clear illustration. And I don't, I'm not saying word for word, but essentially you've heard this before. Officials are part of the game. But I don't ever want to talk about officials, and officials don't decide the game. Think about those statements. Oh, no, I know they're part of the game. I know they're part of the game. That's the issue. So how can you have a major part of the game and you never discuss it? You know, ne- I don't want to talk about officials. Well, you the one that said that it's part of the game, and I agree with you. So how can you not want to discuss such a major part of the game? It, it, it's just again, it's it's um, it's inc- it. You want to talk about insanity? That is insanity. Having something that's a major part of the game and you refuse to address it. You don't even want to talk about it. And, 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 and you have a predetermined ending that nothing they do really impacts the game because you wanna you wanna you're trying to warp everyone's mind with this with these lies and this propaganda. It's just stupid. Look, he, he, here's the problem. Here's the problem. In the NFL, and I've had this problem for decades, it it has not made sense to me for decades. You have a league, and again, we have their same problems in other, like in other levels, but again, at the high school level, it's just a totally different animal. I mean, you don't have replay. You just do the best you can. They're, they're, They're struggling just to get enough officials to field games. We're having to move games just to... It's a totally different level. It's a tough job. Those guys do the best they can. It is what it is. The college level, there's so many college teams, and there's, you know, it, it, you can only do so much. But in the NFL, you have 32 teams. You should be able to get this right. And, again, I'm not talking about the officials. I'm talking about the rules and how it's set up. You, we have a league, and just, just really, I know some of y'all, you, you close your ears, you don't want to hear about officials because you've been brainwashed your whole life. But think about it. 
in the NFL, we, we're fine with deciding the Super Bowl on a 50-yard flag on a 50-50 call. And I know there are officials that there's no such thing as a 50-50 call. I don't buy all that garbage. Okay, there's no 50-50 call. It's a 60-40 call or 70-30 call. There are plays where, and, and, and you see, the, 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 this idea that officials tell you there's no such thing as a 50-50 call, you know why I know that's wrong? Because the same call can be made on this crew, the same play can happen on this crew, and it's called two different ways. So whether you call it 50-50 or not, that's just semantics. It's a judgment call is what I'm saying. And some officials are going to judge it this way, and some are going to judge it that way. But we're okay with having a 50-yard flag that could decide the Super Bowl in the back pocket of an official on a 50-50 or a judgment call. But if we have a 100% call, a 100% call, then we have no way of correcting it. Now, you tell me that makes sense. I want somebody to explain to me how that makes sense. We're okay with a 50-50, a 50-yard flag that could decide the game on the back, in the back pocket of an official. We're good with that. But when we have a 100% call like that face mask in last night's game, and again, I didn't see it live, but I saw the replay. And again, it does not matter if they lost by 100 points or two points because it's not about this game. It's about it could happen in a tie game to decide the Super Bowl or who goes to the Super Bowl. Does that sound familiar? And I didn't start complaining about this when it happened in 2018. I started complaining about this in the 80s and the 90s. I've been complaining about this for decades. You cannot have... You are a cheating league that approves and endorses cheating if you have a 50-yard flag in the back of an official but you and, and you have the means to correct 100% calls and you don't do it. End of story. I mean, there's no way to argue that, in my opinion. There's just no way to argue it. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. You know what's crazy? Uh, about uh, not this Sunday, the previous Sunday, when the uh, Buccaneers played the uh, Rams and the Rams stopped them on that fourth and goal, you know what I told myself? Oh, Bucks going to still win. <laughs> Bucks are, are, still, are, still, are still going to win this game. And guess what? They won because of uh, a ticky-tack call, man, which I don't know. I, I thought that was a clean play on the uh, defensive back, and they threw a flag, man, uh, and they won. Uh, I, I agree with you, man. Like I said, you already, you already know I'm coming when it comes to the uh, professional referees. You, you know, it's this. It's a game in itself, you know what I mean? Um, and you just never know with them. They're inconsistent, and they're going to do something. There's always Every game, there's always going to be two or three questionable calls. And I'm being generous. Right, um, but you have if they're a 100% call, you have to correct it. Or you're not even trying to be fair. Fairness is not <laughs> part of your agenda if you don't correct 100% calls when you have the means to do so. I mean, I don't know how anybody could argue with that. No, my, my thing is this. I understand that games are, like, National Football League is patented. I know they just couldn't. Could they, like, uh, passing the first call, why they just can't make it a 25-yard penalty? Why that penalty? Why is that a whole 60, depending on how, you know, 
I don't know, man. I think they should just make it a 25-yard penalty or a 20. Or half the know? distance. It's something. I mean, it's just too much power. It's yes, just. Half, it's, yes. you just, I would think that's crazy that you said that. I was thinking that. If it's yeah. a 60-yard pass, it's still 30. If it's passing 30. It, 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 um, it's way too much power. Also, man, uh, yesterday, man, I was listening to an afternoon show, and they had a caller saying that he want listen to this, he want Jameis Winston to get back in so they can break him up. See, with, with that type of mentality, man, uh, you know, and this guy, he sees what's up. He, see, he sees that the offensive line is depleted. He sees that um, how Jameis was in the beginning of the year, getting sacked here and there. I, I, I don't know, man. I think we don't know the situation behind closed doors. I, I don't want Jameis uh, starting, man. I just think he's, he's too injured, man. Uh, and besides, majority of the Saints fans, they wanted Andy Dalton. So, hey, stick with him. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't want him signed to begin with. But I appreciate the call. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kev. Howdy. Howdy. Listening, uh, again, I think a lot of us are worked up listening to Coach, but uh, the league is littered with defensive coordinators that just simply aren't head coaching material. And I don't know why the defensive side of the ball, I mean, I think a Quinn and Dallas, there's so many head coaches that were defensive coordinators that just didn't work out, and then they go back to coaching just the defense, and they're successful. And I'm afraid after nine, ten games, we can already sense that in Dennis Allen, and that's frustrating because I like the fact that they promoted from within. Sometimes it just doesn't work. But, look, at some point we're going to have to go into a season with a full complement of draft picks, and I think that's part of the problem. Uh, Running backs are normally – Good running backs can be found in the third and fourth rounds. And a perfect example is Pierce out of Florida last year. I loved him. And and he was a projected third or fourth rounder. And we trade those picks away. And I'm not saying Alave is a bad pick. But at some point, we're going to have to restock and we're going to need a full draft class to do that. And, I mean, we don't have a first rounder next year, so we're already behind the eight ball. I'm, I'm trying to remember. But you're not, you're not behind the eight ball because your first rounder for next year we have on the team already. Uh, I don't buy that. Who? We have next year's first rounder on the team already. Oh, I'm with you. But, uh, again, it's at some point. Of course, one of them's hurt. He hasn't right. played a game yet. It's time to look, play. In, in training camp, we were bragging about how complete our roster was, but there was one hole. And it's like you said, it was a, it was a hole at running back. And what makes it painful this year is they actually had one on the roster and played games and put them back down to the practice squad and lost them to Denver. And, I mean, Murray's better than anything we've got other than Kamara, and they play a different role, but – that's the frustrating part is you actually had one. We need time. a downfield runner. We I, just don't have one. That's just baffling to me. I don't understand why we can realize they need running backs and they don't. I, I just don't understand that. And I'm not going to sit here and act like I know more than the coaching staff, but it's painfully obvious at this yeah, point. They don't have an NFL running back. They haven't had one in two years. Well, when Ingram first came back, he still had a little bit of juice, but you still had to address that knowing of his injury history, and they rested on their laurels. And like I said, they had Murray. They got Murray back, and they had fixed the problem, and they picked it around, and they ended up blowing it. And, uh, again, I, I, 
that you can't keep using Kamara like they're using him. He's just not going to he's not going to hold up like that. And he doesn't want to do it anyway. He's a 7 on 7 football player. And and I don't know if he doesn't want to. I he, just think it's uh, He runs hard and hits the hole and the minute they touch him he goes directly down. He never fights for <laughs> he never does. He's a 7 on 7 football player. Which is fine. I, 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 not, I'm not saying I don't want him. I'm just saying that's what he is. So stop trying to make him a dump truck. I've been saying this for three right. years. You needed a thunder and a lightning type thing. And uh, when he was at his best was when Ingram was healthy. And the one-two punch of those two yeah, guys it's was very just, it's just It's just sickening. All right. I got I to other, get to a break. No sweat. The other thing is injuries. And you can't. Get around I mean, it that, never ends. It just, it just it never ends. For ten years, we've been dealing with this medical staff that there's constant issues and question marks to a point. Didn't we get sued at one point by a player? Yeah, but again, diagnosed? all those people are gone. I mean, and how can you have the same issue? It, it just doesn't make sense. Anyway, uh, I, I got to get to a break. I appreciate the call. Peace. All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back, shift gears, talk high school football with Narfamillion. Head football coach Brett Blakey next. Stay tuned. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. Before we get to our special guest, want to remind you something that I know I need to take advantage of to calm down a little bit is you can listen to all your Christmas classics or local Cajun Christmas songs on the Louisiana Christmas Channel nonstop Christmas music. You can listen live on LACHristmasChannel.com or download the free mobile app on both Apple and Android devices and listen on your Amazon Alexa. So listen to some holiday cheer with the Louisiana Christmas Channel. All right. We have with us North Familian head football coach, Brett Blakey. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Kevin. Thanks for having me on. Well, first of all, congratulations. I say it all the time. You know, I've been covering high school sports in this area for since the early to mid eighties and I, I, I understand coaches' situations they're in and, 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 and when they struggle and then they have success, uh happy for them. and so I know that y'all at the beginning of this year got thrown into a district with just powerhouses, state championships everywhere. I, I, you know, move not that long ago you were a double A team, and now you're a four A school in a four A powerhouse district. And when you walked off that field in whatever city y'all Franklin Parish is in on on Friday, I, I can only imagine how good that felt. Oh no, it was it was a wonderful feeling, and uh, I get it just took a little while to to truly sink in. And um, we've just been talking as coaches all year long that our, our district was going to prepare us. You know. It was, the only thing we could say, you know, was I mean, there, there's not very many teams outside of us in Northside that have to go through, like you said, the powerhouses of STM, LCA, Westgate, Turlings. I mean, it was it was a grueling four week schedule for us, and uh, I thought our kids and our coaches handled it handled it extremely admirably. And you know, we had a little confidence boost heading into the the playoffs with knowing that we weren't going to face that caliber of team 
heading into the, that first round game. You know, I mean, and, and I say that, but not to knock Franklin Parish, but they just weren't the level of STM and all those guys. You know, right. And plus, some of your pre district, <laughs> uh, pre district teams in your parish, they're they're winning playoff games too. So it's not like your pre district schedule was a cakewalk. Yes, sir. I mean, I looked at it uh, last night, actually. I think I want to say eight out of the ten teams that we played are playing this weekend. Maybe maybe seven. It's, you know, uh, eight it, out of them made the playoffs, and I think seven of them are still playing. So, you know, our, our district, our, our district, our schedule did a great job in preparing us um, to see what we saw Friday night in the playoffs. So, Franklin Parish, were they a primarily a running team, and did you feel like you matched up with them going into that game? Well, we knew they were going to throw the ball a lot heading into the game because of the film that we've seen, and but we thought we would be able to handle it um, accordingly because, I mean, that's basically what our entire district does. So um, in that aspect, district prepared us for it. Um, I thought given the, the conditions of the weather on Friday night, because, I mean, it, it rained pretty much from 5.30 in the afternoon until the game was done at 10.30. We wow. got caught in a 45-minute lightning delay. And wow. given those conditions, man, I thought they were going to try and run it. But, man, they stuck to their plan. And, I mean, for the most part, they were successful with it. I think they had 300 yards passing. I mean, it was, it was a pretty impressive thing to see uh, them do in that, in that weather situation. Again, we're speaking with North Vermillion head co- uh, football coach Brett Blakey. So, you switched – to the wing tee. Tell us about why you did that and how do you think now that you've won a playoff game here that that it's paid off? Um, you know, we, we had been spread for a while and we struggled, you know. And there, there was just so many different variables that, that went into it. I think you would need a, a second and a third interview for us to get completely in-depth on it. But, you know, at the end of the day, we sat down as coaches and we just – we figured, you know, we got to find ways to shorten the game. We got to find ways to keep our best guys on the field at all times. And I, I think for the most part, the, the wing tee accomplished that for us this year. You know, uh, in the first quarter, we jump up on Franklin Parish 13 to nothing, but they come back and they take a 21-13 lead all the way into the end of the the fourth quarter. But just the way our offense is, you know, we were able to just – hold it there until finally something clicked for us at the end and we were able to score that, that touchdown drive with, I think it was 90 seconds left in the game to tie it up. And then in overtime, we, we get those two touchdowns. Um, it, it's big for us, you know. Um, our kids believe in the offensive system. You know, they've seen what it can do. Um, now it's just up to us after this year to continue to grow it and to continue to get better at it because – not very often, especially these days in football, that you hear people saying, oh, we're switching from the spread to the wing tee. And once you get into overtime, with the overtime rules in high school with the 10-yard line, it seems like that kind of advantage running team to me to advantage passing team in that situation. Yeah, I mean, you, the closer you get to the end zone, the the more difficult it is for a passing team to score because you just run out of space. You know, and, you know, we felt comfortable – heading into the overtime, especially with the momentum you have. I mean, we all know in high school football, momentum's a huge deal. Um, we felt comfortable that we were going to walk out of there victorious. Uh, you know, they got the ball. They scored first in the first overtime, and then we scored. And we went actually went for two, <laughs> and we got it, but it got called back 
because of a holding call, and then we ended up scoring again in the second overtime and then stopping them on fourth down. But, I mean, our kids had no doubt. You could see every time we brought them into the huddle in overtime, they knew they were going to walk off of that field victorious. All right, so then comes a different chore that maybe you haven't had to deal when you have such a great playoff win like that on the road. You're a 23 seed beating a 10 seed. Now you have to come back down to earth, but you get to do it at home against one of the wing T kind of masters. And, you know, in the last decade, Coach Arsenault, and they've done a tremendous job with their wing T and winning so many games over the last decade. So it's kind of a whole different challenge this week. Yes, sir. Um, what they do is it's difficult, man. They got their three-headed monster back there, and they're extremely good offensively at what they do. And the crazy thing is, is he's gone more gunwing T this year just to kind of fit the athletes that he has, and it's been an absolutely incredible decision for them. I mean, you could just look and see what their offense does on a weekly basis. I mean, it puts you it puts you defensively in positions that you don't like to be. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's like defending the the spread and the wing tee at the same time, and you got all the good things that both have to offer for an offense and puts a lot of stress on the defense, you know. But I, I think our kids are up to the challenge. You know, absolutely nobody expected us to be in this position of hosting the second-round playoff game. It's the first time in eight years that it's happened in North Vermillion, so our, our kids, are just are just loving every second of this man. So it's been from awesome a, fr- to see them working these last two weeks. So the scheme from a from a coach's preparation scenario uh, scheme wise, the fact that they're doing their wing tee a little differently does it make it that much more difficult, or have your familiarity with the wing tee kind of really helped in the preparation? Um, obviously, you know, having played. The wing tee almost every year playing with Kaplan. And, and, you know, the cool thing about the wing tee is every, everybody thinks every wing tee is the same, but every coach, like Coach Indes has his own tweaks. Coach Arsenal has his own stuff. We're kind of developing our own things when it comes to running the wing tee, and Kaplan has their own way to run the wing tee. So everybody thinks it's just line up and hand the ball off to the fullback, but there's so many different things that you can do out of the wing that allows you to be multiple inside your run game. And I think with what they do as far as it's still your base wing tee plays, but they're, they're adding a lot more motions and, and all that stuff out of the, the gun look. It's, it's, you got to be disciplined, man. You got to have your eyes posted on the right person because if you, if you lose that eye discipline for just one time, that's the difference between a three-yard gain and a, a 53-yard gain, you know? Well, I don't know if kids eat Wheaties anymore, but I've seen I've covered <laughs> I've covered Church Point and that full that quarterback, fullback Ooh. quarterback I call him is a load. So I would inform your linebackers to to eat Wheaties this week. Oh yes, sir. We got him lined up. He's a big boy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be interesting. Well, coach, again, I appreciate it. I wanted to recognize y'all accomplishment and uh Happy, you know, I know, you know, it's tough sledding getting and moving up in class and into that district. But, uh, you know, I guess you could say it kind of works. So congratulations to y'all. Thank you, Kevin. We greatly appreciate it, man. Our, Our kids and our community are extremely excited about the opportunity we have in front of us. All right. Good luck, coach. Thank you. Thank you. Again, North Vermillion head football coach Brett Blakey and, um, 
we didn't get to it because we kind of ran out of time, but we've written about it at the Advocate a little bit. And, you know, one of the people that Coach Blakey talked to um, in making the transition to the wing tee to get advice and get some, you know, some direction was Church Point head football coach John Craig Arsenault. And so now that's kind of how things work. You know, you, you do that and then you end up playing that coach and that team and that you kind of – played a, a role in 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 that transformation from going from a spread to a to a wing tee and now they're playing in the playoffs so it just kind of makes it fun and and it's two local teams so you've got seven seeded church point against 23 seeded Norfamilian. it's one of three area matchups on Friday night between the Cadiana area teams you got Iota going to Brobridge and again we're going to be speaking Brobridge had a huge upset 28-seeded Brobridge went to Carroll and Monroe and beat five-seeded Carroll. And we'll be speaking with Coach Locker tomorrow. Um, and, and and you know, they're playing in Brobridge against Iota on Friday. And then, of course, they won the game of the week in the Acadiana area. Acadia, the rematch between Acadiana and Karen Crow is the third one. So an exciting week two of high school football playoff action. 21 teams, we mentioned this year, 21 Acadiana area teams playing in 18 games because three are playing against each other and 10 of them are at home. So this is just, if you're a high school football fan, you can't ask for a much better opportunity to see some great games. The only thing that would be better, maybe if two or three of them played on Thursday. And again, I don't know of any games on Thursday, but if there are any, please let us know. All right. That will take a timeout. Come back, finish out the first hour on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home. For the LSU Tigers, the world champion, Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers. And the Houston Astros want to remind you, if you would like to, if you have not joined the game clubhouse, do so today by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. If you do, you could win a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lesser Steakhouse, $25 at Mabel's Kitchen, or a $50 gift certificate to Have Shell Oyster House. It's free, it's easy, so sign up today. All right, I know it's football season, but we're hearing all these Astro rumors, and I don't really know. What to think of it? I um I don't know whether to trust it. Uh, you know, there was a lot of talk about Wilson Contreras at the trade deadline. We have since been informed, or it's been reported anyway, that former Astros general manager James Click reached an agreement to trade for Wilson Contreras, and the owner Jim Crane. Could have been from Dusty, wherever it was from. Nick's the trade. So now that Click's not there, people are reporting that they're interested in pursuing Wilson Contreras. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if all of that's adding up in my mind. I, I don't know. Dusty's a guy that wanted to stick with Yuli. Yuli's 39 years old now. We're hearing all these reports. The Ken Rosenthal says the number one free agent target for the Houston Astros is Rizzo, the first baseman for the Yankees, who I've always kind of liked. I've had on my fantasy team many times. I don't, uh, I, w- I wouldn't have no issue with that. But is Dusty really ready 
if Dusty and are the Astros really ready to ditch on Yuli? Is that really happening? Now, I know that there are some people that say Yuli could still be on the team. I guess he could DH every once in a while, be a backup first baseman. I mean, I guess that's possible, but do you really want to have two first basemen when you have, you know, unless, like, if you if you re-sign Diaz or someone like a Diaz that can play a bunch of different positions, then, you, then that really kind of gives you three options at first base. How many people need three options at first base? So I, I, I just don't know. Uh, again, I got no issues with Rizzo at all. Now, Contreras... It would, it would look, the Astros have never had a plus bat at catcher in the history of the franchise. Like, I'm not exaggerating. Like, Biggio was pretty good when he was catching, but he wasn't yet a plus bat. He had the potential to be. But um, we're talking, it's never happened. But he's got to handle the pitching and be a leader and all of that as well. So I don't know. I don't know. Rizzo, I'm all for. Contreras, we'll see. I don't know if I believe all that, but if they have one big bat, I'll be happy. That's it for the first hour. Another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foot. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion Houston Astros. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3-133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. If you would like to get in and talk about the Saints, you want to talk about the Monday night football game last night, which apparently was pretty good. I got Like I told you, I missed it. I did not watch it. I... I'm still too, you know, I haven't gotten over Sunday and this whole season has been just miserable. And again, you got to you got to pick your poison. I mean, Eagles versus Commanders is not worth making Michelle angry at me over. My my fantasy was thing was over with. Um none of the my players or my opponents players were playing last night, so I had no fantasy um, angle, and I'm still very way too upset <laughs> about what's going on, and so I didn't watch the game, but I did see, I did get up this morning, look at some highlights, see some of the reaction to it. Obviously, was a game that sparked a lot of reaction. Um. Some people said we mentioned yesterday that that the Eagles were a little bit of a phony team. I don't know that. I mean, if you're talking about a team that you know is one of the best teams ever and could go undefeated, it's way, it's way, way, way too early to be talking about undefeated seasons. I mean, we're just you know we're in the middle of November. If you get into December and you start getting up to double digits. You know, 12, 11 and 0, 12 and 0, 13 and 0. Then you can kind of start talking with it. I, I don't, I don't think it's too early for that. But division game. I mean, it's just look, division games are are just different. We talked about it forever, so it's not a surprise. Kind of actually does my heart good, even though I got no love for the Commanders. I mean, I, you know, I've never really liked that that franchise, but um, brought me a lot of heartache over the years. But um, I, um, 
it kind of does my heart good that it was a division team that beat him just because I, I think hopefully someone will get the message that uh, you got to respect division games, and they're just different um, than others. And, and the NFL does not have any respect for division games and puts them in the most um, the worst times of the year. But, again, that's I know a lot of you disagree. Y'all all buy the propaganda. I just don't buy it. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111. So whether you want to complain or discuss the Saints situation or the Monday night football game, especially some of the controversial um, plays and calls, and, 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 and again, it's not – calls are going to be missed, folks. I mean, officiating is hard. And the problem is that I've argued for decades is you got to have protocols in place to fix it. And they have the technology, but they don't have the protocols. And that is unacceptable, in my opinion. But um, it is uh, not 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 good. Uh, so you want to talk about that? We talked a little bit about the Astros. We talked some high school football with North Vermillion coach Brett Bla- Blakey. And so anything you want to talk about high school football, certainly feel free to do that. Cajun football will be playing in Tallahassee over the weekend. We'll be talking about that more. Uh, with Cody Juno in the next segment. And, folks, in case you hadn't noticed, Cajun basketball is off to a 3-0 and start. They were picked to win the Sunbelt Conference. And, look, it, we, we gotta, we're trying to get football over before we go head and shoulders, dive full into basketball. But the K, nice game on Thursday. Cajuns will be hosting Louisiana Tech. And so there's been a lot of really good UL Louisiana Tech ba- men's basketball games over the, in my lifetime and, and before I was born. And so that's a really nice matchup to look forward to. And we'll be talking more about that as the week goes on. For now, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin. How are you, sir? Well, Kevin, I'm uh, you know just basking in the world of the – Cheating NFL. Okay, Kevin, I want to any any literate, competent, normal, well, normal thinking, uh, you know, thinking person to tell me how on earth you can have a review of a fumble where a penalty occurred, but there's no protocol to change the penalty an egregious breaking of the rules. You can only see the fumble, but you got to not see the egregious breaking. When, when you can down, argue, when you can. almost. Right. When you can easily argue that the penalty is what caused the fumble. It, exactly. The penalty is about 98% chance that if the man's head is not being ripped off to jerk, stuck into the ground, that he's in a physical position where the ball, he's going to start forgetting about the ball. By God, you hit, you start, I don't care how much of a football player you are, you begin to think that, oh, well, my head may come off. <laughs> and the ball becomes a second thought. Like, you know, you see guys that tear up a knee or whatever happens to them, or, and then they just, talk, you know, the ball gets left behind. Well, so what world does that make any sense, Kevin? That's what people, that's what drives people like you and I. That drives me crazy. And, and then here's the kicker. And it's, not, kicker. and it's not the officials' fault. It's the NFL's fault. No, exactly. Here's the kicker. And then this morning on TV, 
No, they, they, or I guess it was a replay, but it was before the news, live, 6 a.m., it was about 5.40, I'm watching sports, and it was Scott Van Pelt, I guess, from last night's late show. He's got Troy Aikman and Joe Buck, and Aikman's talking about it, and, you know, and, you know, you can tell Aikman's, uh, yeah, you know, they're reviewing the fumble, but they, they, they can't review the penalty, and, you know, and that, hey, and that just, that's the way it is. It is what it is. And then they just go on talking about the game, about how great Washington was. And I'm sitting there thinking, no. Let's address the issue. We refuse to address the issue. fix it. Yeah. But you will not fix it because yeah. you don't want to be fair. Because, you don't exactly. want anything. I've been, I've been, y'all you're tell not, me. Not interested. Yes. They, they okay. don't care. It's a cheating league. They don't league. care. No, they, yes. don't, they don't care. Because – we just accept it, and you. I mean, listen, I'm not gonna stop watching it. it, it sometimes it's close. I want to throw my TV out the window, but you know. And boy, Hannah got Hannah's fired up by the coach. I just told us to listen. You getting a good dose of of coach speak, and going two or three weeks, you you replay what they say. I said they just lie, and sometimes they forget that they lied, and you know, it's just a. But let me ask you, Manny, again, if you take what he has said at face value, is he, is he, does he have a pulse? Is he really that, can he really be that clueless? Like, uh, you would think that. I, I, I mean, he's been in the NFL for decades. I mean, and it's not, he's not new I mean, to the Saints. I mean, he's not new to Sean right. Payton and, and how right, they think. Right. Like, how can he be that clueless? He could be that clueless, you know? Uh, okay, I want to ask you about the, the, what you take on the, what happened? What's going on with the GM? You know, I don't follow stuff like that too closely. I mean, why? He, what's the the owner and the GM never really cared for each other? Well, or, I think I mean, they. I think they. You know, uh, Michael Schwab, who we we interviewed fairly often on the show on Tuesdays. Right? He he did a pretty in depth story. I, I advise you want uh, to follow Michael Schwab and look him up because he. If you're an Astro fan, he does a great job okay. of following. Right. But but read the story, and there were several elements that he had that things that happened over the last two years that Crane right. did not like about him. And one of them was he told him to go get Liam Hendricks as a closer, and he didn't get it done. And there were several other trades as you know well, one of the one of the parts okay. of the story I mean, yeah, I mean, he was know, higher on he know, was high on Jake Myers you don't, with your, you don't agree with your boss I mean somebody's got to go you know I mean that's just the bottom line I, I understand that. I'm not saying the boss is right but you know rule number one you know boss is always right rule number two if you think the boss is wrong see rule number one so yeah I mean it's the guy paying the heat you know so anyway okay all right yeah I'm gonna check out Schwab. all right Kevin all right talk to you later man y'all have a good one take care. Again, it, it's we heard those rumors for months, and I'm not saying one is wrong and one is right. I, I have no idea. We're just, and that was the tone of of Michael's story, in that it doesn't make the guy a bad GM. It just makes him have difference of opinion. And usually, the boss, to Manny's point, is going to win out in a difference of opinion. Um, but I also think, as crazy as it sounds, that you're going to get. I mean, a lot of it sounds crazy, and it can be a little scary if you let your mind go down that road as an Astro fan. But it, you know, at some point, everyone needs to be on the same page. Like 
you, do you really want to? It, it's it sounds again crazy to say, well, we're going to fire the general manager and we just won the World Series two weeks ago or whatever. And and that sounds crazy. And yet, moving forward, it also sounds crazy to have a GM and a coach and a manager that have three totally different philosophies. And they're always tugging. Now, I guess you could argue that that provides a checks and balances system. I mean, I guess you got to have somebody in your organization that kind of says the other thing just to make sure that you're doing things right and to bring up a counterpoint of view. But uh, I don't know that in terms of how to move forward. Um whether you have everyone has very major philosophical differences about how to do things, how healthy that is. Now, you could also argue you just finished a season that might have been the best bullpen performance from game one to game to the end of the World Series in the history of baseball. I mean, you could argue it's one of the best bullpen performances in the history of baseball. So click if I'm James Click and if that's a real report if that's if that really is maybe he's thinking we already had enough bullpen arms. Let's use the money elsewhere. Whether than getting a high price closer, we already had enough. I could I could see that argument too. So again, I'm not saying one's wrong or one's wrong right and this guy's an idiot and that you know, it's just it, it it is a little interesting. But I was tweeting with a friend the other day and I was like, you know, at this point, can you do you not just have to trust them? I mean, you may not agree with them with everything that they're doing, talking about the Astros, but you could argue this is well, it's no argument. They just finished the best six-year stretch in my lifetime and, and maybe way beyond that. And so at some point, you have to just trust that they kind of have an idea how to how to do things and not get really angry about it, especially, obviously, in a hammock season. We'll take a timeout, shift gears to Cajun football. Talk to Cajun sideline reporter Cody Juno on the other side of this timeout on the game. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. The cheaters. Cheaters. The famed hated rival that beat the New Orleans Saints and others so many times in the 80s and 90s by cheating. Also known as the San Francisco 49ers. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion Houston Astros. We have with us Mr. Cody Juno. I know a man who enjoyed how the World Series ended. I'll say that, that, that sounds, it sounded good to hear. I just yeah. had to feel good to say. I keep having to tell myself that to remind myself that I can get through what's going on on my other favorite team. Um, this season by focusing as much as I can on the Astros. You know, you got to do is what it, you got to do. Is, I would say, is it possible to pay the piper for the Astros' success via the Saints? <laughs> kind of. From a personal standpoint, probably, probably is a little piper being paid. Yes, uh, I, I, absolutely. 
All right, as long as the Saints make some right decisions to build for the future, I can live with it. And and that better start by Jameis starting Sunday. But we don't want to talk about Saints football with Cody. Um, Cajuns, last Thursday game over Georgia Southern went way better than I imagined that it would. Uh, you know, the, uh, the 10th game of the year and by far the Cajuns' best game of the year. Uh, I don't you know they- Just the way that they played from start to finish, uh, you know, the closest contest that, that's playing four quarters that they've done all year. You saw good things in the running game. You saw good things in the passing game. And, you know, that defense, which we were worried about a little bit going up against that, that you know, offense of Georgia Southern had only given up three sacks, got rid of the football quickly. You know, at least early in the week, Des seemed very concerned about, you know, how they were going to handle that coverage, and uh, it's just a masterful job. You know, they were able to move the ball, but Cajuns did not let them in the end zone. You know, I, I didn't – I didn't. I thought the Cajuns would do something offensively, but with a quarterback that, even though they haven't acknowledged it a great deal, I, I think he's a little banged up, and, and an offensive line that had, you know, was missing some starters – and, you know, still kind of looking for an identity at running back a little bit, but although they have shown – but I, so I wasn't – and they were playing the worst defense in the conference, but on paper it was the best offense in the conference, and we had talked about maybe the defense was starting to wear down a little bit, and, man, none of that looked like the case in a short week. No, the other thing we talked about was, you know, maybe playing a little bit defense with your offense, and then the Cajuns go out and score really quickly – uh, on several occasions, and then you got Kenny Almondaris, the Sunbelt Conference Player of the Week, their special teams bouncing back. Uh, I found this interesting, Kevin. I looked at it. So of the five in the left hash, and the first one he hit was actually in the middle of the field. So well, maybe that's kind of his, his wheelhouse, staying away from that right hash. But, you know, uh, to me, and again, obviously I'm wrong, because Will Lutz has the same issue. When Will Lutz kicks from the left hash, he's a lot more accurate than when he kicks from the right hash. And to me, as someone who bowled as a kid, it's real easy. You just kind of leave it out there and you let it fade right in. But for whatever reason, they're more accurate from the left hash. You know what? I, I I don't have the answer for you. That sounds like a good conversation for a special teams coach. Yes. I don't I don't get that. But anyway, um, the now you go into another what I would say, and I've been using this word maybe too much lately, but it seems like it's a tricky game. Like I understand that Coach Daz cannot get up, you know, yesterday at his weekly Monday presser and and you know, they're trying to win. I mean, you know, they the program, you you don't go into a game with a losing mentality, and yet obviously most people around the country don't think they're going to – they don't believe they're going to win this game. So you need a win. Uh, most people would say if you're going to get a win, it's going to be at Texas State, not in Tallahassee. And so who you play and how much you play them and all of that seems like it's a lot of tricky decisions going into this game. What do you make of all that? I don't think it's that tricky. I mean, I think you go into your point, you put your game plan together, the best game plan that you have. You go out and try to execute and win the football game. Now, if things start to get away from you in a big way, right, later in the ball game, yeah, then I think you start maybe playing some different people. But, no, I mean, 
the Cajuns are going to go in trying to get win number six on Saturday, and then they'll look ahead to try to get win number seven the final week of the season, right? And that's going to be the attitude and approach. And, and on the other hand, you could say maybe you catch Florida State. Let's be a good Syracuse team. And, oh, by the way, they've got a short week with the rival Florida Gators coming to town next Friday. Can you maybe catch Florida State napping a little bit? Maybe they're not putting out their best effort, uh, you know, Saturday for that, that noon uh, Eastern time kickoff. They just have to go in with the mentality to win the football game. I do agree with you in some degree, and here's a question. It, and it's very hard given everything I just said, but what do you do with Zyla Perry in Saturday's game? Well, do you play him? If he feels like he gives you the best opportunity to break a big one, right? I think, you know, Cajuns have missed some of explosiveness. Yes, he put the football on the ground. But if you play him Saturday, that's game three. And the final game of the year, that's game four, no bowl. If you don't play him Saturday, you could theoretically play him in game 12 of the year for his third trip. But again, you're not guaranteed a bowl game if you don't win either of those two. So that, to me, is the the trickiest decision. Well, I think a tricky decision is... And again, we don't really know the extent of an injury or not injury or couldn't it be worse or any of that on, on your quarterback. But um, you know, I understand he's going to start. But if you're at half, if you're down twenty-one at the half, do you play Ben Woolridge in the second half? Again, now we're just going to get into semantics of what that cutoff number is. I think three yeah. opportunity to cut up fourteen. Like, yes, right? How has the game unfolded? How has Florida State built its lead. Again, I think that's all game time, gameplay decisions, situational decisions that go into it. Um, ben is the quarterback of the football team, and, and so I fully expect Ben to play quarterback. Um, you know, for much, if not all, of Saturday. The point is, and look, I'm not saying, am I, I? I'm certainly not saying that I can't see a scenario where they're in the game going to the fourth quarter because I think. We can. I'm saying if it doesn't work out that way, the worst case scenario is to get suffer injuries this week Absolutely. to where you're yes. not where you need to be going to San Marcos. Yeah, it's going to be dictated by the way the game flows, and 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 so there's a, you know I would imagine some point in time uh, that that staff will discuss internally about hey if things get out of hand one way or the other we're getting him out at this point right and then. We'll turn it over, um, you know, to, to any of the other quarterbacks and let them go out there and, and finish the game. All right. So from what you've seen from Florida State, a lot of us saw them in the very beginning of the year and, and maybe seen them in one or two, you know, uh, maybe a quarter here or a quarter there, unless you've uh, just a really serious junk football, college football junkie and has maybe seen them play one of these other games. I saw them play a little bit against Syracuse and, I uh, saw the whole game at the beginning of the year against LSU. So what about what Florida State does really worries you? Well, look, third year, uh, you know, of, of the Norvell era, and it seems like they finally are, whether it's bought in, whether they've got the right, you know, finally got the type, type, uh, top talent on campus, they're back to looking as close to Florida State as they've been in, in a really long time. And, and so, you know, their ability up front uh, along the defensive front, I think, is uh, is going to be a big factor in that, especially we know how the Cajuns, while well, they've done it much better, they've had struggles at times, you know, running the football this season. 
Um, and it's just the speed, right? I mean, there is it's it's the speed at which the defense can can run and you know track you down. Does it take away some of the uh, you know horizontal side to side offense? Um, you know, the Cajuns like to employ from time to time. And so for me, that's that's the biggest thing to watch. I their quarterback is a guy who can really run and throw on the run. Him throwing on the run was my biggest takeaway from watching them earlier in the year against LSU. Like, man, that is a scary deal. Like being able to throw on the run is so difficult to defend. Well, I mean, no doubt, right? You you get the, the two way threat there and um, you know, it's that's another element the Cajuns uh, haven't actually dealt with all that much this year, right? When you, when you talk about the quarterback that can they can both throw it and run it, and so it's just going to be another challenge heading into uh, Saturday's kickoff for for the Louisiana defense. Again, we're speaking with Cajun sideline reporter Cody Juno. Now, the offense has run the ball actually much better the last this is what two games in a row they've run for over 200 yards, which is tremendous uh, compared to what they were at the beginning of the year. And and we we've detailed the the issues with the offensive line as the season goes on, and that. You know, the, it it was struggling early, and as the offensive line got better, the offense got better, and all of that makes sense. But what about running the ball against Florida State? When I asked Coach Des yesterday, uh, what are the one or two most elite parts of the team? And it sounds like he believed from his answer, he didn't say him in so many words, but that the defensive line and the safeties might be the two actual best parts of this whole team. Yeah, look, I mean, they're giving up just 3.7 yards per, per rushing attempt, right? Uh, and just eight touchdowns that they've given up on, on the ground. And so, again, we've seen the Cajuns face some really good rush defenses this year. And while the numbers may not have, have shown it, right, I think they moved the ball better when they needed to against South Alabama, certainly against Marshall, um, you know, and, and, and against Troy, right? The, the, the Troy rush defense was really something that concerned uh, Cajuns, they were able to your point go for over 200. <clears throat> so again, can you come out? Can you get some early, easy completions? Can you stay on schedule? I think that's going to be a big factor in this game, Kevin, as it often is in these matchups, right? Where, where you're going in, let's call it what it is. Cajuns are going in for a pay game, right? They're going to cash, uh, you know, an over million dollar check here, and uh, to often stay in those games, you got to stay on schedule, right? You stay on schedule. It means you're moving the football. You create, um, you know, the belief that hey, this is they put their pants on just like we do. Um, you know, we'll see what kind of crowd shows up at, at Doe Campbell on, on Saturday. Can you catch them maybe napping for the early kickoff? But staying on schedule and whether you're doing that, running the football or throwing it, I think it's just critical in these type of games. The other thing that we talked about a year ago when they went to Liberty was that when you play a higher-profile play, and, and you don't need to, is that this is a game for players to show pro scouts. Do you think that's a, that's in the thought process now as it was, you know, last year um, in the going into the Liberty game? I mean, it's, it, it's hard to say. I mean, you've certainly got some Cajuns, um, you know, that, that we think will at least have an opportunity to play on Sunday. And I don't know that whatever happens this Saturday – will impact whether, you know, they get the drafted or signed as a free agent or the, you know, the, the mini camp and, and uh, training camp call, right? Like, 
Now, for them, can it maybe have, you know, can just take somebody, right? Like, I think Michael Jefferson's going to have an opportunity because especially what he does with special teams to play on Sundays. You know, does he maybe say, all right, I can go out and, and, you know, really show out and really, really make a name for myself? Yeah. But, again, I think those guys are trying to do that every Saturday, right? Yeah. You know, put their best foot forward. And so I, I don't know at the end of the day that that really creeps in or matters. That that all makes sense. All right, so your number one concern in this matchup is? Again, for the Cajuns, don't beat yourself. Can you stay on task, on time, on schedules, and don't give football – don't give a good football team the ball. Don't give them extra opportunities. Don't beat yourself. You know, make Florida State go out and earn it. At the end of the day, they might be the better football team and, and you know, come away with it. But don't do things that, that can beat yourselves, you know, as we play here in the 11th game of the season. What's the weather going to be like, Mr. Sideline Reporter? So I looked at it yesterday, and I think we have a high Saturday of 60 degrees. So it should be pretty chilly. Uh, you know, at least by my standards, uh, by the time kickoff rolls around at noon and it'll get warmer into the afternoon, but not uh, not much. Well, better than what we've had here the last two days. You are you are absolutely correct about that. All righty, sir. Thank you very much. We'll see you uh, this weekend. You got it, my friend. Take care. All right. Take care. Cody Juno. No, I'm I'm all for the 60s. I'm it's better than this. What? It seemed like it's been 40-something degrees here the last couple of days and windy and cold and dreary and depressing. and The weather and the Saints kind of all going hand-in-hand. Hand. We will take a timeout and be back with more on the game. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Z28. Z28. Now, a running back with great speed and start-and-go ability, like a Chevy Camaro that plays for the New Orleans Saints, also known as Alvin Camara. Now, back to the man with his very own language, Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111 if you would like to get in. Uh, no more interviews for the rest of the show, so this is a perfect time to get in if you would like to comment on anything going on. You know, we were just talking with Cody and um about the Cajuns game this Saturday in Tallahassee. And I, I just, it, it, I think it is going to be a game to Cody's point where the coaching staff is going to have to make some decisions based on, you know, you always have to make decisions based on the game. I mean, that, that's not really a new thing, but it just, again, it, it's, it, I don't want to sell this team short because I think they've done enough and they have enough confidence and they do enough good things to where if Florida State sleepwalks at all and they and the game is competitive going into the half and into the third quarter and maybe beyond, I'm not going to be shocked. You know, they've competed before. So I don't think this is like, an all-American blowout going in. The Cajuns are, what, 20-something point underdogs? And 
am I going to be predicting a Cajun victory? No, I'm not going to predict a Cajun victory. I didn't predict a Cajun victory last week. And I was worried about the short week. And I thought they could move the ball on Georgia Southern's um, defense, which has you know, not been very good this year. But their offense was been, had been very good, and I was worried that they weren't going to be able to handle a really good passing offense on a short week when they hadn't really faced one all year. And the only one that was remotely close to it was Rice, and they really struggled to cover them in that game. But uh, it's just a tricky game. You, you, you don't want to um, go all out and then somehow – in, in decrease your chances of winning the next week against Texas State. But it is what it is. You got, you know, they're an aggressive team. They play with confidence. You go for it. I get all that. It, it's uh, just going to be interesting to see how that plays out. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, good morning. Good morning. So I'll go back to the kicking part. <clears throat> so on the left hash, he makes it better than he does on the right hash, is what you were talking That's what they're uh, – I've seen multiple kickers – they seem to do that. I don't totally understand that, but it's got to be some logic behind it. I think it's more visual than like. So I mean, I don't know much, how much golf you ever played, but if you you want to put a, a left to right, I'd rather put a left to right putt, a right to left putt. You see what I'm saying? So it's I guess easier you pick it up visually, right? But what about if your approach shot? Are are you better like? almost like pushing it a little bit into the green or like just f- being on the right and fading it into the green? Well, I'm just trying to hit it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not That's at that level, too. I'm talking right about now, for someone I, I who is good. I golfers that say they would rather go left to right than right to left. I, I don't know. To, to me, kicking a football from the left hash, I don't know. It would seem a little bit. A little bit easier because I would rather. It's like hitting a curveball, I guess. I, I I don't know. I mean, and, uh, again, I've never done it. It just seems to me if you kick the ball straight with just a little bit of a fade, that's easy. It's too much. It seemed like it'd be too easy to push the ball right from the left, but apparently that's not the case for some kickers. I mean, for the Saints at this point, he just wanted to kick it and make contact right yes. now. Yes. You know. Yes. But uh, can you imagine if if UL beats Florida State and then the the whole talking between the LSU and UL fans just oh we don't. I'm hoping it happens because I, I love to watch that kind of talking. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. But you, you know, I, as far as the Saints man, why does he put seven in and let him go? Just let him run the rest of the year. I don't think – look, I, if they did that, I wouldn't be all that – it would make more sense than playing Andy Dalton. Now, I, oh, I want to see if Jameis can physically go, which we keep getting conflicting reports on that, then you you got to play him and just see what happens. But, but, but or, or, you know, we had this conversation last week. Then my number two option would be just go ride Batman. I'm with you. Yes. Yeah, that's the best option. And one more thing, my team, I mean, we, we playing 42-40 football. I don't understand it. But. Have you ever had that? Has that ever happened in Never. the history of the Chicago Bears? Ever. We might have had it in a we might have had it in a four game stretch one time with Jay Cutler, but after yeah. that, that was it. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. It's incredible. Oh, good thing if you had Jay Cutler on your team or Trubisky. Y'all have a good day. <laughs> All right. Is is Bobby Scott really better than Trubisky? I don't know. 
I think I'd take Trubisky right now. I'd take Trubisky over Andy Dalton for sure. Man, Andy, I better not see Andy Dalton play another play this season. Now let's let's just hope. Can we just hope that that Andy Dalton doesn't play another play this season? Can we just hope that? All right. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin. Howdy. How are you, man? you doing all right? Oh, you know, I'm uh, as an Astro fan, I'm elated and overjoyed, yeah. and as a Saints fan, I'm aggravated. You know how that goes. I know. I know how it goes. But I have a solution to one of the issues you have, and that's officiating. <laughs> Uh, I think it's just completely out of hand. And, and there's several things that, that I would do for sure. Um, you know, wipe out the pass interference like you were talking about. That That's ridiculous. You know, 15, 60 yard plays like that. For teams that can't move the ball at all, you know, that's what they're going to resort to. Um, the uh, Also, like, you know, holding third and 25, holding. No, it's not automatic first down. It's, right. it's a 10 to 15 yard penalty. Right. You know, illegal contact, same thing. Third and 30, all of a sudden you got a questionable legal contact, giving a team a first down. That's a complete joke. But the officiating is a complete joke. So this is my solution, okay? Those guys out there, that they're calling officials, okay? What you're going to do is they're going to be just ball spotters and fight breakers. They're going to break up fights and spike balls. We're going to cut the time per quarter down to 12 minutes, and we're going to put 15 seconds added to the play clock. Everything is going to be officiated upstairs, okay? And they're going to buzz it down and say, this is what happened. You got a holding penalty on so-and-so, here we go. And everything's going to be looked at twice, okay? And not to say that you can't have cheating and all that stuff, but the thing about it is is you're not going to have the, the missed calls like you have. Like, you know, what's-his-face almost got his head ripped off last night, and everybody saw it, and they saw it on the replay, you know? If you watch the Dallas game, you saw how Dallas got butchered. You know, they didn't want Dallas to win that football game at all. But if you video it and you're showing it on the replay, it's obvious that these penalties are either occurring or they're not occurring. But what gets me is we can't question it. It can't be reviewed. You know, either everything is reviewed or you shut down the booth. Again, I, I, I'm not willing to go as far as what you just said, but I've been saying this since the 80s. The purpose of replay was to get rid of the of the complete botch calls. And 40 years later, we're still not getting rid of the botch calls. Like, can someone – like, the that was the original purpose of replay when it started in the 80s. And 40 years later, we still have 100% calls that no one can question, and, and we still haven't figured out a way to fix those. That is incomprehensible to me. Yeah, well, you look at, you look at the personal foul that the uh... – they hit. They were hitting the receiver out of bounds, and they called a personal foul against Philadelphia. I mean, he wasn't out of bounds. When you look at the replay, he was still in bounds when they hit him. You know, that's that's right there. That that goes up to the boot. That's looked at. I mean, we 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 playing nothing. Nothing. There was no flag thrown because they looked at it. They saw. Hey, nothing happened. Let's just go. We rolling. Yes. You know. And I mean, you know, these calls that when they show the replay, it's obvious that this 15-yard penalty didn't occur. But yet we can't re- we can't review it. It's not questionable. It, it, you know? it, it's, so, it's, I mean, it's the awful. purpose of it is ridiculous. Now, I've been saying it ever since it came out. Either we're going to call everything as we see it, or we're just not going to call anything. You know, because it, it to me it's just crazy. You know. But one thing I'm going to say that they have changed, 
and I will give the NFL and the officiating crews, you know, a blow on this one. The fact that they don't call the the holding call away from the football, away from the point of contact anymore. When the football was being run, you know, let's say off right tackle, and there was a holding call by the left tight end, they were calling that stuff. Now it's only at the point of attack where it should be. You know, if I want to hold somebody 20 yards away from a play, ah, you know, by the time this guy's going to make the play, it's going to be 35, 40 yards down the field anyway. But I will give them their props on that. It's only at the point of contact that they're actually calling the play, the, the foul, the penalty. Right. Well, now. I wish they'd have done that when the Saints like lost that, in, you know, in, in Gotham about five or six years ago. But, yeah, I, I agree. That's a good thing. I agree. I appreciate the call, so, sir. anyway. Great hearing from you. Thank you. All right, Kev. Take care, bro. Take care. Again, he's talking about bringing – the balls and strikes being done computerized to the NFL. Again, I, I, I just as much as as much as I'd yearn for justice, I just don't know if I could go quite that far like that Kyle's going there. But I, I still think some point someone needs to just say, guys, we gotta get rid of we gotta be able to correct the egregious call, the egregious missed calls. They're gonna happen. These guys are human. I don't think these guys are out there trying to cheat, but the system cheats because they just haven't they 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 haven't fixed it. That you gotta fix the obvious. We we can't fix the obvious. That just boggles my mind. Forty years later, we haven't fixed the obvious. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Uh, when was the last time a league? change the uh, minutes of a quarter or a period? Um, I, I don't know. I can't think of it right off the top. Do you know the answer? No, come on, man. 15 minutes or 12 minutes? So, so the collegiate game will stay at 15 and they get to the pros at 12-minute quarters? Uh, I think, you know what it is, you know what it is man? I guess, he, I guess he said 12 minutes so he can stay in that three-hour, 25-minute time frame of a game. They need to go away with that, man. They need to start scheduling games at 12 and games at 4.30. And if they, like you said, man, I don't mind watching the game for four hours if they're doing it right. Right. If they're not – you know what I mean? We yeah. Gotta, nah, keep it at 15 minutes. Don't, don't, don't mess up the integrity of the game because of their, you know, their, um, their issues, uh, referees' issues. Nah, nah, let's not – let's keep it the way it is. It's just – I think we always – we're so worried about, oh, you know, this game is too long. So <laughs> – what else are we gonna watch? Falcon Let's Crest? get it what, right. What? Yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I'm ready. I, I, I'm more, I'm more worried about getting it right, Hello? and they're more worried about shortening the game. I agree. Yes. Hey, one more thing, man. Uh, this is off the topic. Uh, one day I was in uh, on the West Bank in uh, New Orleans, uh, the West Bank area of New Orleans, Morero to be exact, and I heard 103.7, man, like coming through, like wow. it was kind of statically, you know, kind of static, but that's nice. It came through. Yes. I, I was kind of surprised and shocked, man, like to hear it from that far. That's a good thing. But you know what? The station you work for. <laughs> no, my. Look, you have a good one, and uh, thank you. All right. Thank you, sir. Look, I know everyone is not going to agree with, like, what Jay is thinking and I'm thinking and kind of what Kyle was thinking, although, again, I don't go as far as Kyle. But, again, t- this is, like I said, I'll say it over and over. Replay started with the premise of getting rid of the egregious files, and 40 years later, we're still not doing that. It, 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 they've overcomplicated it. 
and we can't even get the basics right. And again, that's not the officials' fault. That's the NFL and the rules committee. I, I just can't believe how incompetent those people are. I, I just I, I, they we we've lost track of doing the obvious. Let's we'll take a timeout. Come back. Finish out today's show next on the game. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you, if you are fancy and you'd use your Alexa and Google Home speakers around the house to help you control lights and thermostats and music and all kind of things, you can do it for your radio as well. Simply play the game and say, um, the game, Southwest Louisiana, on your Alexa or Google Home. It's that easy. You can do the smart thing and listen to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, and take it with you wherever you go, home, office, or recreation, or whatever you need to do. So do the smart thing when it comes to listening to the game as well. All right. We were just talking about officiating. And, again, a lot of people say, well, you're really hard on officials. I don't really find myself that hard on officials. I find myself, and I've been hard on the the leagues and the people that make the rules and change the rules. And, again, I, I think Kyle brought up some great points. I think if they cared about fairness, see, to me, the purpose of officiating from not, and I'm not talking about just the the, the officials who who are um, you know have to enforce the rules. The purpose of officiating should be to reward the team that executes the best on the field. Well, if it's third and eighty-five and I touch you and 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 you get an automatic first down, how is that rewarding the team that does the best on the field? They've got to get rid of that. The automatic first down has got to go. Um. If they care about fairness, again, my premise all along is the NFL does not care about fairness. They don't even, it's not even on their radar to be fair, to treat teams fairly. That's not even part of their deal. That's why I fight so hard because so many people I don't think understand that. They just don't get it. Speaking of rules and changes, one of the things that came to my attention is college football games are a lot longer than the NFL games, and and that is an issue for them. They're trying to limit the the um the time that it takes to play college football games as well and one of the things they're looking into is to where incomplete passes are not always um autumn you know stop where it stops the clock so again this is a thing that's constantly evolving they're constantly looking at ways to shorten the game i just wish they could get the 100 percent calls right after that i'm good with it or mostly go with it. I appreciate the calls. Y'all have a nice day.